Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Jeremiah chapter 32. Thank you, Mike. We're going to start in the 38th verse. Jeremiah 32, 38 says, they shall be my people and I will be their God. They will be my people and I will be their God. I tell you what, I am so glad that we have been called and allowed to be the very people of God. Amen. Amen. We're in a special group of people. We're in a special category. We're not just a people. We are his people. We're not just some people, we are God's very own sons and daughters. We're his very own people. Amen. What a blessing that is. You know, we live lives with a perspective and we're not just like everybody else. Not saying that we're better from the standpoint of our own, our own ability or any of those things, but we are better from the standpoint of we're in a better family and we're better from the standpoint of that we're who we're linked with. We are actually tied, connected to, and eternally joined with the master. Amen. And with our Father God, we are His people, and He is our God. Go over to First uh, Peter chapter two. First Peter, the second chapter. Hallelujah! Thank God He called us. Amen. Thank God He redeemed us. Hallelujah! Thank God He placed His Spirit in us. Are you excited about that? If you aren't, you need to get excited about it. You need to get a revelation of what that actually means, be in Christ. Amen? First Peter chapter 2, the ninth verse, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Woo, praise God. You, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous lights, who once were a people, were not a people, but are now the people of God who have not obtained, uh, who have, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Who praise God. We are God's special own people called out of darkness and into, into the light. I tell you what, never lose sight of where you were and where you are. I know Paul said, I forget those things which are behind, but I press on. And that's true. We need to do that. We also need to, at the same time, remember where we came from. Remember where the Lord, what the Lord, Lord has brought us out of and what it, what life looks like now and, and, and determined to, to press on to see the full realization of everything he's done in our lives. Amen. I love that his own, a, we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's who you are. That's who God sees you as, right? His own special people. Woo. Hallelujah. We've obtained mercy. Amen. First John chapter three, I'm going to read it to you. It says, now what behold or behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. We are the children of God. You know, really, when you look at this whole uh, 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 thing that's happened here with the human race, it really is a, 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 a tremendous thing. It really is a mysterious thing. And I was talking to somebody the other day and we were just talking about, you know, uh, uh, different uh, angelic beings, different things that are out there. And, you know, they have to look at us and just wonder, what in the world is God doing, right? I mean, who are these? And I don't mean that from the standpoint of, of, of 
these people are such a mess, but just from the standpoint that God desired something so much that he changed the way that he had, uh, not the way that he existed, but the, the type of existence that he had enjoyed for the eternity past. And the way things were set up for going in for, for, for as far back as you can possibly go and keep on going, he changed it because he wanted something. He wanted to have a people that was his very own. And I'm sure the angels, even, even if we were perfect and, and had no issues and, and the human race, once, one day we'll walk in, we'll walk in the fullness of, of who we are. But, but even if, if, if sin had never entered in, you got to imagine the angels were thinking, you've got all of this. What's so special about these people, these, 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 these things you call human beings, mankind? What's so special about them? God wanted to have a people for himself. He wanted to have someone that was like him, that were, that could choose to serve him because they loved him, because they wanted to, not because they had to, but they cho- chose him over something else. They, they made him uh, the apple of their eye. They made him the, the purpose of their life. They gave themselves to him. And, uh, you know, what a, what, a, what a blessing that is. What an amazing thing that is. And what an honor it is for us to be a part of that. We get to be a part of his church. His, his called together ones. Woo, praise God. You and I, we're a part of that. And we're going to be a part of that for eternity. We're going to be the ones that, that we're going to be the movers and the shakers in the ages to come. We're going to be the, we're going to be his right hand men and women. We're going to be the right hand beings for all of eternity. Maybe that doesn't excite you. That excites me. I don't even know exactly what that's going to look like yet. Because on this side, it's hard to even see what does that even mean? What, what, what is that going to, but I can tell you what this, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be just a wonderful thing. It's going to be something that every day, every week, every month, every year, every decade, every century, every millennia, every age that passes, we're going to be like, this is pretty good. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to look around and be like, can you believe this? This is pretty amazing. This is awesome. God has called us his own people. Amen. You know, our relationship with God is the most important thing we have in life. I said our relationship with God is the most important thing we have. Most important thing that I have It's the most important thing that you have in life is your walk with God. You know, last Sunday night I, I was talking about, um, uh, first love. And if you weren't here Sunday night, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. You know, I, I would say this, if, if I think I said this last week or Sunday night, if this is your church, if this is where the Lord has called you, you need to listen to every message that is preached here. You need to be in as many services as you can be. We know sometimes things come up and, and things happen and, and, and people have to be out. I get that. But if this is where the Lord has called you, that means he's called you here because you need something. There's something that you need whether it is to give, to receive or to give, you have things that you need from this body. So be here when we're open. But if you, I would encourage you to go back and listen to every message that's preached from this pulpit, whether it be one of the pastoral staff or someone that, that is asked to speak, it's done. We, we are led by the spirit of God. So listen to those things that are important to you. So I talked about, uh, uh, first love and making sure that we keep our passion for God strong. Amen. That we keep him first and foremost in our lives. It's such an important thing. You know, all the things we do. You know, I read in, in Revelations chapter two, we looked at the, the church in Ephesus and he listed all these things that they had done. They had tested doctrine and they had all that they'd served and, and not grown weary and, and done many wonderful things, things that we want the Lord to say about us. I mean, these are things I, you know, he's aware of our, our, our stalwartness. He's aware of our service. He's aware of, of 
testing doctrine. He's aware of all of those things that we do. And he, he commended them. He's going to commend us. Amen. But in the midst of that, he had all these things he praised them for. And he, 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 he congratulated them then and honored them in. But he said, he said, one thing you've done, you've, you've walked away. You've stepped away from your first love. You've let that passion that you once had for me to, to grow dim and to grow dark, right? He said what? He said then to return. Go back and do the first works, to repent and do the first works. What does he mean? Go back and find your heart, your love for God. Amen. So God wanted a people that was one, that was his greatest desire was to have a people. And he's given us an opportunity to know him. And so our relationship with God must be the first thing on our life, must be the most important thing above above everything else that we do. Let's stand before Jesus and him look at us and say, I knew you. And, and you were passionate about me. As much as I was about you, you had a heart for me. That, that, that's what we want to see from the Lord. That's what we want to hear. And so we talked about that, that last week. And so what a, what a blessing that is, um, that the Lord has given us or, or that he's called us his people. And we can have a relationship with him. I want to read the scripture in Jeremiah chapter 2. Pastor mentioned this after I finished last week. And, and last Sunday night, he said, man, he said, I love this scripture. So I'll just, just a, a little add on, right? Let you, let you look at it. In Jeremiah chapter 2, we'll look at verses 1 through 3. It says, moreover, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, go and cry in, in the hearing of Jerusalem saying, thus says the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth means they desired him when they were young and things. He said, the love of your betrothal and when, and when you went after me in the wilderness in a land not sown. He said, even when you didn't have all the things that you have, even when you hadn't seen what it means to be in relationship with me, you sought me in the wilderness. Even before these things could be perfected in your life, you had a hunger for me. And so our response to him, our desire to, to be his people and to walk in that, to live in, out of that place as the people of God, should be something that we do, not because we're getting something from him or that he's done something, just because he's God and we just love him so much. He said, remember when you, when you did this in the wilderness, before you had all the things that you have, remember this that you, from your youth. Praise God. What a blessing that is. So we need to constantly be stirred up in these things and, and remind ourselves of this very fact. Go with me to 1 John chapter 1. We're getting into it this morning. 1 John, the first chapter. Like I said, this was something I knew a couple months ago uh, that uh, I wanted to, uh, the Lord was going to have me to talk about and, and to minister on. And I said, well, we'll wait till we have the opportunity. And so I'm excited today. But 1 John chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. It says, that which from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifest and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you the eternal life, which was with the father, which was with the father and was manifested to us. Verse three, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which you have heard from him and declare that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse seven, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, notice we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ His son cleanses us from all sin. 
So it says we have fellowship. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. But it also says that we have what? Fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another. Now, it's interesting. I just love the Holy Spirit. I love the way he does things and the way he works and the the way he operates. God is so good. If you've been here on the last two Wednesday nights, Pastor Angela, Pastor Mama, right? Uh, She's been ministering and talking about the subject of fellowship. Do you think maybe the Lord is trying to get something across to impact family church? Like I said, a couple months ago, I knew I was going to talk about this. Didn't have it all lined out exactly how we were going to go, but I knew the subject was going to come. And then I found out Pastor Angela's talking about fellowship. And at first I was like, oh man, she's going to steal my thunder. But I thought, wait a second, it's, this is a wonderful thing. She set me, she said, I'm setting him up. Yeah, she's setting me up this morning. And so she's talking about the subject of fellowship. I believe God has got some things that he's wanting to convey to get across to us, right? I believe that God is always preparing us for what's next. He's always preparing us for the next stage, the next area, the next level. He's always looking for the future. God's never stagnant. He's always wanting to move us forward. So when he brings something up, when he's highlighting something, we need to take notice of it and be quick to make sure we adjust our life to fit his life, right? We adjust our ideas to fit his ideas. We fit our plans to just our plans to fit his, amen? So it says here that we have fellowship with, with others. Many Christians are okay with having fellowship with God. They're okay with being his people, but it's with the other part that they struggle with. It's, they're good on the God side. It's, it's other people that they struggle with. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, uh, in ministry, there's an old joke and an old saying, and it's not true here. Uh, but there's an old saying, it says, the ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. Now, maybe you've not heard that, but almost every minister has heard that phrase. And it's something that gets joked about. And you might say, well, it kind of hurts a little bit. Well, you know, the reality is people are, are people. And any area of life is, is, is enhanced by people, but also it's made difficult by people. And, 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 and unless you think about somebody else... Oftentimes we're the people that others are having to bear with. And sometimes when they think about that, the ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. They might be thinking about me. They might be thinking about you. We all had these moments in life, right? But the reality is people are precious. And it is, it's a truth that we're God's people, but it's also equally a truth that we, we have a people ourselves. We have someone that we belong to as well. God desires to have fellowship with us. He desires that and God desires that we have fellowship with one another. He desires this. We can see it from the very beginning that he desires fellowship. You can see it from the very beginning. Remember in the beginning, God created man, created Adam. He created the birds and, and the flowers and the lions, tigers and bears and all of those things. He created all those things. And what did God say? Go with me over to uh, Genesis chapter 2. Let's just look at it. Genesis chapter 2. Remember, in creation, everything he created, he said he finished on the sixth day. And then he said, what I've created is what? It's good. And then he rested on the seventh day, not because he was tired, because he was finished. And everything he had done, it was complete. He looked at creation, and and at that moment, he saw a complete picture of what he wanted to do. But notice some time went by here, and some things were going on. And in Genesis chapter 2, the 18th verse, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. 
Notice God said, it is not good that man should be alone. So he created him a helper. He created, what was he doing? He was, he was creating for Adam to have, for the, the, the opportunity for Adam to have his own people. God, we are God's people, but he wanted us to have our people. And we think of the word our people, we think of family, we think of things, we have all these different things. And that's wonderful, but there's a part of our people that, that were how God views that is the human race, but also the family of God. We have one another. Amen. Remember, we have fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, and we have fellowship with one another. So our relationship with God is vital. It's important. It's the utmost. But our, our relationship with one another, our walk with one another, our connection we have with one another is is not equal, but it's right underneath it. It's extremely valuable and extremely important. Well, what did God do? God, you drop down to the 21st verse, Genesis 2, 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his rib and, ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. I always, I always, when I was younger, I thought, so wait a second, I read this, so we've only got, we got one less rib on one side. No, Adam had one less rib, right? That didn't mean that, all guys from that point on had one last, anyway. You ever have these weird little thoughts you think, and then, oh, we have one less, less rib. No, Adam. Anyway, so he closed the flesh up, and uh, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So, you know, Adam named her. When, when God created woman, took his rib, created uh, uh, Eve, created woman, brought him forth from, from Adam, he woke up and he said, whoa, man, right? He said, whoa, man. He liked what he saw, right? He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. God did a good job. Aren't you glad he didn't say, holy cow. He said, whoa, man, right? Whoa, man. Humdiggity. That would be bad. Man and humdiggity. That would be really weird. So now he said, whoa, man. But he said it's not good for man to be alone. He created him someone comparable to him. God wants fellowship, but he also wants us to enjoy fellowship on every single level. Now, we've been made in the image and the likeness of God, but we are not truly just like him. We're like him. We're spirit beings. We're three-part we're three beings like God is, but he's still in a classification above us. And, and, and at first, it, it, was the, it was seen, maybe this will be enough, but he realized man needs something else. He's got me, I'm fellowshipping with. He'd come in the cool of the day and he would talk to Adam and he would spend time with him. But he realized Adam needs somebody more than just me. He needs someone like himself. And so that's where the one another comes into play. You know, this subject of, of one another and our relationships is not some sort of an outlier topic. People say, you know, I like talking about spiritual things. This is a spiritual topic. This is a very important topic. Went through, and I'm just going to read you some for time's sake. There are a bunch of references in the New Testament to one, to, to, to one another. In John chapter 13, 37, it says, what love one another. This, this commandment Jesus gave multiple times throughout the Gospels. In fact, in John 13, 25, the next verse, he says, by, all, by this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have what? Love for, not me, but love for one another. So our love for each other is, is how will be the thing that signifies, right, that we're his disciples, right? 
It goes on to say there's so many places, so many different references. We are members of one another. We're to be devoted to one another. We're to honor one another above ourselves. We're to live in harmony with one another. We're to build up one another. We're to receive one another. We're to accept and admonish one another. We're to greet one another. We're to care for one another. We're to serve one another. If you go through the, the, the epistles, this phrase, this idea of our relationship, our connection to each other is brought up so many times. It wasn't, like I said, it's not an outlier topic. It is a foundational uh, issue of our walk with God and our, our participation in the body of Christ and our ability to be who God has called us to be. This is more than just husband and wife. This is our relationships with one another. I mean, there are so many things. Uh, I, I, there's like over 50 some odd references in the New Testament about one another. So this was something that, that by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit, that Paul and Peter and different writers constantly talked about our relationship to one another. Pastor Andrew's been talking about fellowship. What's she talking about? Is our relationships with one another. Taking a fellowship is an event. And, and, I, and a thing that we do in, in an outreach of our life. Well, it's something that, that we have to maintain and prioritize. Why? Because we're connected to one another. Yes, we're connected to him. We have a relationship with him. We're his people, but we have our own people. We have our own people. And we have to be connected with them. There has to be that connection between us. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 19. Ecclesiastes 19. I love this. Uh, uh, this recognition, people are not a problem. People are part of our inheritance. People are a part of who we are. They're vital to us. The people here that you see are vital to you and to your future. Look around this morning. See the people here? This is the, these are your people. This is your group. This is your gang. This is your squad. Chapter Ephesians, Ecclesiastes 4, 9, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls. A few years ago, you know, Jordan and I, where's Jordan now? He's running sound this morning. We were skiing in the, uh, a very uh, steep area, snow mass. And, um, you know, the Lord had told me on the, the lift ride up there, when you get to the top of this and you get into that back area, you know, it's, it's, it's all double diamond gated stuff. You have to know what you're doing to be back there. So when you get up there, that first run, when you drop in, sit down and turn your skis. Don't just go. And so, okay, okay, I'm on the lift and we're talking. We get up to the top and you know what? I got to that edge. You know what? I didn't think a bit about it. I just jumped right on it. And as soon as I did, what, whoa, I fell, tumbled down this thing. It was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was just dumb. I disobeyed. You know, I was so glad I was not by myself. That was kind of embarrassing that I was with someone because they heard me screaming. Uh, you know, <laughs> Jordy heard me yelling, Wah! as I'm going, falling down this thing. I could feel my knees being pulled out of place and, and it was just that ripping as things are tearing. And, and, and boy, at the point, and I, I'm screaming and I'm repenting like, God, I'm so stupid. I what disobeyed you. I have mercy on my dumb self, you know, and Johnny, help me. I'm screaming. It was, it was an awful thing. So in one hand, while I'm embarrassed that he heard me, I'm so glad there was somebody there. It says here, it, cause he went and got help. Of course, you know, there was a, God worked it out because the head of the ski patrol that day was 
on his day off and he just decided to ski that same area and he was just a, a little ways from us and he heard me screaming. As he skied right over and Jordy was about to leave me. He was about to leave and go get help. And I was going to be, I was in a, anyway, long story. I was in a very bad position that it, he couldn't move me. And if I had tumbled any further, it would have been really bad. And so he was going to leave me. I'm thinking I'm going to be here for an hour by myself or longer. Then we heard voices. Hello. Hello. Like, Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Angels are coming. But anyway, I was so glad to ask somebody, but it says, it says, woe to him when he was alone to him when, who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? The, uh, the one may be overpowered by another. Two can withstand them. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So the Bible stresses and, and talks often about, yes, our walk with God, but our connection to one another is a vital part of our, our safety, of our security, of our accomplishing God's will. It's vital for us to be who God's called us to be. We need one another. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Nobody's in this alone. Batman had Robin. Beavis had Butthead. Everybody's got somebody, right? <laughs> And you have people that God has called into your life that are called to be a a part of your group, a part of the ones that you rely on, lean on, call on, scream out in pain if you need to, and they go get ski patrol. Everybody needs somebody, right? And it's not just a spouse. We need our church family. We need one another. I said, we need one another. I know there's those times where we can get aggravated with the ones that are the closest to us, but thank God for those opportunities to work out the rough edges in our own life and to value one another. Amen. We need each other. There is a, there is value in relationship and community. I know the word community is kind of a hot button phrase, a hot button word that's being used today, but there's a truth behind it. There's power in our relationships and community. And it's important that we, we, uh, monitor those things and we cherish those things and we protect the relationships, the one another's that God has placed us into. Every, le- every, every individual has layers of relationship. Go over to, to uh, John chapter 17. John the 17th verse, and we're going to hurry here. John 17 verse 9. Praise God. I was trying to think of people who are tandem duos. I thought, frickin' frack. You know, Simon and Garfunkel. I mean, people have, they have people that they have that in their life that are close to them. In John chapter 17, verse 9, it says, I pray for them. This is Jesus speaking. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given to me, for they are yours. Jesus had the multitudes. I'm sure that they recognized him. He had many layers of, 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 of relationships. We're going to talk about four in just a minute, layers of relationships. But Jesus had the multitudes that followed him. But he also had another group. He had his disciples. He had the 70 that he sent out one time, right? And then he had another, he had a smaller group. They were the 12 that were with him, They're a closer group. And then inside of that group of people that were his people, he had the three. He had Peter, James, and John. He had those three. Remember when he went up to pray before he was uh, betrayed, he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he had these individuals and they stayed with him. And they had these layers of relationships. His one another's God. Jesus was the son of God, but he was also man. 
He didn't just do his ministry and walk his life on his own. He needed those people. He, he said, come and pray with me. Now, obviously, that we know that we know what happened. The, the account, they fell asleep. But he still, he needed something. I just think, man, had they done their job and actually prayed with him, would it, would it have been as agonizing? Had he, got, had he have gotten to the point of despair that he did? Why? Because they, they obviously had something to offer. He called them and asked them to come with me. He needed that group. We have, we need, we, there should be, and there are layers of relationship, community of, one, of others in our life. They need to be there. We need to have those things. There's, three, there's several layers that I want to talk about. Each layers, each type, each levels of these relationships, these one and others need to have rules of engagement in our lives. You know, every layer, every, every group will have an opinion about what you just should do, what you should say, how you should live your life. Not every person who has an opinion about your life needs to have a voice in your life, right? Jesus didn't take the, the counsel of everybody. He took the counsel of a small group. And as, as the council became closer and dearer to him, that group became smaller and smaller. We need to be in, in care, careful about these things and who we let speak into our lives. Like I said, there are different circles of relationships. And this is by way of reminder for us today, but also to check ourselves on our relationships, on those that we've been called together with. There's, this is, there's multiple layers here. There's relationships that we're to have that inspire us. Said you need relationships in your life that inspire you. Now, for for the disciples, Jesus was their ultimate one that they looked to. Jesus was calling them up. He was was calling them up to a higher level, a higher way of thinking, a higher way of living. You know, you need those relationships in your life that will challenge where you are and draw you up higher. You know, there's a danger to thinking you know everything. Everybody, anybody ever been guilty of that before? I think we probably all in one area or another felt like we, we, I got this figured out. There's always room to grow. I said, there's always room to grow. The minute you think you've arrived, you realize you've barely gotten started, right? The older I get, the wiser my parents get, right? The older I get, the more I realize, wow, I shouldn't have said that 20 years ago. Well, that was really dumb. That opinion was really stupid. Why was I thinking that? Why? Because we all have room to grow. We need relationships that will call us up higher for life, family, marriage, money, body, in our walk with God. Do you have those relationships in your life? Do you have a one another, someone that you call on, that you're connected to, that's calling you up higher? You know, in all of these relationships, whether, it, whether they do what they're supposed to do, it's up to you. No one can force a relationship. The reality is if a relationship could be forced, it w- wouldn't be a relationship at this point. God can't even force relationships. If he tried to push himself on somebody, then, then, then our connection would be, it'd be jeopardized, it'd be cheapened, it would be downgraded. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't, have, the, wouldn't have the power and the potential that he designed it to have. So he, what? he leaves it as a choice for us to open ourselves to him or to deny him. Well, in your, in your life, you have relationships that you either have to open yourself up to or you have to resist. You have one another's that God has called for you to have, and one of them are to call you to higher places. You can't just go to anybody about marriage. You can't just go to anybody about your kids. You can't just go to anybody about your finances. You do realize that, right? If you're wanting help in your marriage, don't, go to, don't, go, don't talk to someone who's been married 15 times. Right? 
If you want help raising your kids, don't ask somebody who's got all their kids in prison. Right? Now, I may say, well, that, that's kind of harsh, Pastor Greg. Well, you have to know. Now, sometimes people, obviously, people have things they can offer from the standpoint of, wow, I shouldn't have done that. And this is what I've learned. But, you know, I know how it is. I've been in the real world, not just in the church world. People have got opinions about everything. People are wanting to, to advise you, to instruct you, to, to, uh, uh, to tell you how to do this. Everybody wants to be an expert. I remember sitting in the office when I worked for Citibank. I mean, the, most of the conversations that went on were conversations of everybody trying to help everybody else. Oh, yeah, this and offering this suggestion. You all know what I'm talking about. You have to be selective who you allow to speak in your life, but you need to have people who are speaking into your life. You need to have people that you look to because they inspire you in your work with your walk with God. Woe to someone who is alone in any area of their life. If they don't have a friend, if they don't have a companion, if you don't have someone that has been called alongside you, that you are, that you are walking with, you're in a spot where your revelations are just your own, right? That's dangerous. We need people in our lives that are calling us up higher into various areas of our life. It's important. Like I said, we cannot be the smartest person that we know. We cannot be the most successful person that we know. You know, we can't just go to anyone. We must be led. And I know this is real practical, but remember the Bible talks a lot about one another. There were so many things that went on in the church and Paul and Peter brought them back to their walk with one another, how they considered and worked with one another. I believe the Lord is wanting us, if we're going to move forward and move up into some things, there's some changes, some adjustments, some enhancements that we can make in how we value one another, but also how we relate to one another. You need people that inspire you in every area of life. You need that. You need that. Relationships, the next level is relationships that are for living. These are your friends. You need people that inspire you, but you also need people that you just live your life with. Pastor Angela's been talking about fellowship, and I think she talked about, you know, we can sometimes get into groups where we, we're like, this is, this is my group. There are other people that can be added to your group that will enhance you for life. They will be people that you can run your race with that will enhance the quality of your life. It's necessary. Remember, God said it's not good for man to be alone, Right? There are people that, that are there to call you up, but there's something about having people in your life, in your circle that are just there to live your life with. You need this. That's why we're as a church body. We have a, we have a, God has called us together as a group. He, he puts gifts and callings in each of us. Drew doesn't have it all. Eric doesn't have it all. Josh doesn't have it all. I don't have it all. You don't have it all. We've all got parts of the plan of God. We've all got parts of different aspects of his personality, of his grace and of his goodness. And when we bring them together, that's when we're able to be who God's called us to be, right? But when we stay individual and we have an, a mindset of, us for and no more. I'm not saying we do, but in life we can develop a kind of a closed minded. I have my circle and there's no room for anybody else. Well, what if God has somebody else? He wants to add your circle because he realizes you're missing something in your life and they're not there to bring it up out of you. They're there to supply it. There are some relationships that are there that God will inspire that will cause you to, to better yourself, to pull something out of you. I think of different ones. You know, one of the things that, 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 that 
I so appreciate, you know, grew up in a pastor's home and we started the church when they started the church, we started the church. It felt like we, cause I was in the middle of it for all of it. Right. And so the church was started when I was six years old. And one of the things that I love so much is when these different guest ministers would come through, I had access to them, not because of me, because they're at our church and they're at our house and staying at our house in the early days. You know, we didn't put people in hotels. A lot of times they just for years, they stayed with us and, and you see them in the morning, get up with crazy hair and like, yeah, they're human just like me. And, and uh, we'd sit around the table after service or whatever. And we'd talk and they'd eat my mom's fried chicken and, and all those things. And I would just, I would just sit and listen. I love those things. And I think of different ones. I mean, Randy Greer is someone that I remember as a teenager, when he first started uh, coming to our church, that that relationship drew some things out of me. It just, it just, it just, it just helped me immensely. It just, there's still some things, even to this day, things he told, talked to me about sitting in my car. I was driving him to Winn-Dixie to go get something or taking him somewhere. And we're in the car, just the two of us. And I'm 16 years old and I turn the music on. It's way too loud. He said, uh, brother Greg, one day you're going to be old. <laughs> I remember him having this conversation with me. He's like, one day you're not going to be 16 anymore. And those things on either side of your head, I'm thinking, yeah, those big old things inside of my head. He said, listen, he said, you're going to want them to work, (laughs) right? And so you probably ought to turn that down a little bit. He he was helping me out, right? My parents had told me that they, I'm sure they heard me come down the driveway. Um, Absolutely. She said, I come down the driveway. I didn't even need the car on. It's running itself down the driveway. It's so loud, you know, and, and. I'm sure they said things to me, but I remember Randy Greer in the car, brother Greg, you know, you're going to need those things. So I, I endeavor from that point. I've always been really careful with my hearing because he said, so what did that, 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 that encouraged me. But then there's other relationships that I had that it didn't bring me up to another level. It didn't cause me to think differently. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't cause me to step into anything, but it filled a gap in my life. That's what you have sitting around you. I said, that's what you have sitting around you. Why did Pastor Angela, why, what, what, she's talking, there's many reasons, but why? We have things all around us, and as we grow, there's going to be other opportunities, other, other deficiencies we're not even aware of. I see things now at 47, I didn't know I didn't have it, 37. There's things in my life I thought I had it all figured out at 27, and now at 47, I realized, well, I didn't know quite as much as I thought. And so I need something else, Right? We're called to live life with one another. You're called, this is part of who you are. This is, this is part of being successful. You know, I will say this as a side note, there's a danger in our friendships, the ones that we're on common ground with. You know, the enemy's always targeting things and he's very, he's very, he's wily. He's a sneaky joker. He's always testing. He's always trying to corrupt things. In the very beginning, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he created him someone, a helper, someone to be like him, to have true fellowship and intimacy with. It wasn't necessarily a relationship to make him better. It was to complete him. But what did the devil do? Immediately, the devil started plotting against Eve. Really, he was plotting against Adam through Eve. He was trying to get the human race off course, and he used what he used relationship to do it. It's not, it's, people think, Pastor Kay, it's really not that big of a deal. I'd rather talk about faith and healing and authority. And, and those things are valid. But a lot of times we miss it in the areas of right here. The things that are precious to us, we're not being careful. And the enemy gets in. 
We have to evaluate our relationships, our friendships that we have, the people that we speak into and they speak into us that are on common ground with us. Has gossip entered in? Has attitude entered in? Has, has contempt entered in? These are important things we watch out for. Those relationships are vital. Someone once said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Right? Show me those that, that you live with and are surrounded with. I'll show you what your future looks like. We know that's true. That's absolutely the truth. It's important that we're aware of these things. People that are closest to you, the people you look to, to listen to. Do you look at the relationships you have right now, the friendships you have right now? Do you really want them having a voice in your life? Do you really want them speaking into your life? You know, it's interesting. We struggle sometimes in areas when it's so unnecessary. It's just because we don't choose to make some tough decisions sometimes. Yeah. You know, your, your heart can, your, your emotions can become attached to something that's really bad for you. Yeah. Your flesh can become attached to something that's really bad for you. Have to have everything laid at the feet of Jesus. And then there's other relationships that exist for us to inspire. There are people God has called you to, one another's that God has called you to, not, to, not because they lift you up and not necessarily because they're there for you to live your life with. Now, I'll say that these can change as we, as we grow and as we develop. People can move in and out of different things in different areas of our life. They can, at one point, they have something they're offering, and the next point, they just become friends. And the next minute, then we're helping them. So these things can be uh, fluid, so to speak, can move around. But there are relationships that God has called you to, to be the one that does the inspiring. Amen. You, know, you realize when it comes to spiritual things, that's not just your pastor's job. It's not just the department director's job. It's all of our jobs. We are members of one another, right? And there are gifts in each of us. And so there are times that we are there that to, to help inspire somebody else. It's a necessary thing. Matthew 28, I, I reference this often. You've heard me talk about it. This is the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18, it says, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even, in, even to the end of the age. Amen. He said, teaching them to observe. What does he do? What's he talking about? Investing in people. Pastor Andrew's been talking about it. Going out beyond ourselves and investing in people. The one another's God has called us to see, recognize what, where they come from. Recognize what level, where should they be right now in our life. In this moment, in this time, are they to call me up in an area? Do I need to open myself up? Do I need to, to, to think less of my own opinion in an area? Do I need to live life? Do I need to inspire? There are, there are reasons for this. This is important because this is a part of us being who God has called us to be. This is vital for our futures. It's vital for what God has called us to do, to do next. You know, there are, there are people that we get tempted with, uh, that we're tempted to, um, this is, we live in a season now that cancel culture. There are relationships, there are people, even part of our one, our one and others that God has connected us to that that if we're not careful, we can cancel. We can write off, we can cancel. Maybe they did something you didn't like, or maybe you just didn't see the need. 
right? Maybe they look different. Maybe they, maybe they, they sound different. Maybe they have a different way of how they do things or the way they say things, right? And so we just want to write, you can cancel today who you're going to need tomorrow. You can cancel in this season that you're going to need in the next. That's why you have got to be led by the spirit. I believe there have been times, I know there's been times in my own life where I've written people off that years later came around and I was deficient in an area because I didn't take advantage of the one another, the people that God gave me. And I wrote them off or discredited them or disregarded them or moved on beyond them. And when the need came, I didn't even realize I was deficient because I'd already written them off. This is a part of loving one another. This is a part of valuing and regarding one another. Amen, Pastor Greg, you're doing a good job. And then there are relationships that we should keep at a distance. I said there are relationships that we should keep at a distance. I had read, we'd opened the scripture with Jeremiah 32, uh, 39, 38 rather. I'll read it to you again. It says, you shall be my God or be my people and I will be their God. Uh, Paul quoted this in 2 Corinthians. You can look at this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This is 14 through 18. Paul referenced what uh, the apostle Paul, uh, or what Jeremiah wrote. And I'll be honest with you, this is something that Amy and I have talked to the teenagers about every single year for 20 years we have done this. Every year. Now, this school year, we've not done it yet. They're getting it today. Right? We talk about this with them every single time. But it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Unequally yoked together. Connected unequally. Out of, out of what's right. Out of balance. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with darkness? In what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Obviously, he's, this comparison, what he's saying is there is no part. There is no real connection. You know, it's a, it's a dangerous thing to hook your wagon, to hitch your wagon to somebody that's going in the wrong direction. Right? It'll, it'll do one of three things. It'll either slow you down, keep you stagnant, or drag you in the wrong direction. It's who's got the bigger horse, the bigger uh, uh, determination that's going to determine where that thing goes. If you don't hook your wagon to the wrong horse, to the, to the wrong person... You won't have that fight. A lot of times there are relationships that we have that are out of balance because we're allowing them to speak into our lives or we're living our lives with them or we're trying to invest something where investment isn't being taken that is pulling us in the wrong direction. Paul, to the church, He's still saying it to the church today. The Holy Spirit is still talking to us. What part have these things with together? What, what accord has Christ with the law? What, what part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they'll be my people. He was saying in order for that to happen, they ha- there, there's got to be a recognition of these things. There has to be a recognition of this. He said, therefore, verse 17, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I'll be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And we talk about relationships and the, and the fact that God has created us 
for companionship, for intimacy, for, for relationship. He's made us, he's wired us. This is not a weird topic. This is, this is who we're wired to be. We have to watch out that their fourth level are people that there's, there's one level we don't even know people that we're not aware of, but there's other people that we come into contact with. They're not inspiring. We can't live life with them because they don't believe what we believe and they're not open to what we have to say. We've got to be separate from that. If you want to be successful, you've got to be separate from that. I have had so many times, I remember growing up when graduate high school and in college, there were several people that, that came into my life that I met that they were, they were people that I really enjoyed and acquaintances that they just, we just on a natural level, we just kind of clicked. You know what I'm talking about? They had a similar personality and similar sense of humor. And I just enjoyed, you know, sometimes your flesh can enjoy things that aren't good for you. Right? Like I enjoy eating ice cream at midnight with lots of Hershey's and peanut butter every night. Not good for me. Right? There's a lot of things your flesh will enjoy that, that aren't good for you. And so I met these people and, and, and we started to, 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 to develop a relationship. They started moving in from an unknown into the, moving into a different category of, of, of connection. And I had a check on the inside. You need to be careful because that person was what, you know, the enemy understands relationship. He will send people your way and they're nothing more than a trap for you. We've said this to the teenagers for years. The number one killer of on-fire teenagers, after 25 years of doing youth ministry, 25 plus years, the number one killer of on-fire teenagers is relationships. If you grew up in the youth group, teenagers, y'all have heard it. If you've grown up in the, in the youth group, you heard me say it every year. It's the number one killer. But you know what? I have to news for you. It's one of the greatest killers amongst the adults as well. Y'all folks. We's people. It's one of the biggest problems that exists even amongst adults. This isn't a teenager thing. This is a, why? Because it's, it's a part of who we are. If you're 16, you want, you, want, you want companionship. You want those things. If you're 60, you want those things. And the enemy will use that to get you off course. Look at your relationships. Look at you. Who is your one another? Who are your one another's? You've got to stay on top of these things. They're important to us. Well, what about evangelism? If I do that and I can't evangelize Luke chapter five, go read it. Jesus, I'll, I'll read it to you for sake of time. It's 1205 Luke chapter five, verse 27. After these things, he speaking of Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all rose up and followed him right there. Levi is now putting himself in a position to, to enter Jesus's circle. He's, he's positioning himself. Why? He left all and followed him, right? Jesus is calling him up higher. He left all and followed him. So he left all, rose up and followed him. Then Levi gave a great feast in his house and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them and their scribes and their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, Jesus's disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a, of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to the righteous, but to sinners to repentance. Well, Pastor Greg, you said we're supposed to be separate and different. Yes, we are, but we are to reach people who are outside who don't qualify. But we do that by, by calling Levi. One translation said he set up a banquet in Jesus's honor and people came. What's the point? What is the foundation of why you're reaching out to this person? What is the foundation of your relationship? Why are you investing? Why are you reaching out? So to do what? To bring them in. 
right? But if you're reaching out to people who are outside the family of God and outside of either calling you up or someone that God is okay to live life with or someone that you can help bring up in various areas, right? If they're outside of those things, then you're joining yourself to someone that's going to pull you down. Levi was open and left all and followed Jesus. And then they threw a banquet in Jesus's honor. What's the answer then? Do your life in Jesus's honor. Your, your relationships at work, your relationships, even in your family, are they done for your honor? Or are they done for the Lord's honor? See, when you keep him the center and the focus of all of those relationships, it gives God an opportunity to move. It gives God an opportunity to work in your life and to work in their lives. And it will cause you to be sensitive if something starts getting out of line. Like I said, I had relationships that I developed in college that the Lord warned me, but you know what? I was being sensitive to what he had to say. And to be honest with you, I didn't want to have to cut those things off. I didn't want to say no to those relationships. I liked those people, but I realized, I said, you know what? What is that, Lord? There's a a problem. I I have a red light in my heart. I have a check in my heart. What is that? And so I got alone with the Lord and said, yeah, you like them, but they're not interested in who you really are. They're not interested in who, what you believe. They're not interested in me in you. They're trying to recreate themselves in you, and they're not open to hearing it. You need to back off. And guess what I did? Not, I'm saying that in a mean way, but hey, I started cutting that, that down. I started making, I started cut, restricting those things. I started making decisions that we're not going to be spending a bunch of time together. That fondness we have emotionally, I'm, I'm cutting that thing out. That's important. I said, that's important. Sometimes we don't have room for the people God has called us to because we're filling it with people that he has not called us to. Sometimes we don't have room in our lives for people that God is calling us to, to either bring us up, to live life with, or to inspire in the things of God or in life that that God has called us to minister to. We don't have room for those people because we're filling them with people that are not open and God has not called us to. But if I don't do it, who's going to reach them? That's up to God, not up to you. Right? I said, God loves those people more than you do. And if they're going to be a detriment to you, you need to let go and let God figure out what to do and then pray for them, but disconnect yourself. Over the years, like I said, with the teenagers, it's been the number one reason for, for trouble. It has been a huge, after all these years, it's been a huge, I can't tell you the number of people that were members of this church joined to this body and got separated because they met somebody. Well, you just don't want people to meet. Not at all. Not at all. We want you to meet people and, have, and develop, but, but check your heart. Do they line up with what the scripture says? Or do, do they line up with, do they ha, are, they, are, they, are they of like faith as you? Do they believe like you? Are they going the same direction? Are they a child of God or a child of darkness? Are they Christ or are they Belial? What are they? Do they, are they gonna say, well, they love God, but they don't believe the other things. That, I believe you need to be careful. I said, you need to be careful. This is a help to us. See, these, this, this, is, this, is, this is where life is lived. These are areas where we live our life. And I can't tell you the number of times, like I said, over the years, people who were on fire for God, adults I've seen in the church, met somebody, and then now today they're, they're off doing something entirely different. Most of the time that person's not even there anymore. Oftentimes they're not even around anymore, but it's gotten them completely off track. We have to watch who we're allowing into our lives. This is important for us. So what's our application for today? I want you to evaluate your relationships.
Like I said, this is something that I believe the Lord put on my heart a couple months ago to talk about, and, and uh, not because I hadn't talked about it to the youth but, uh, uh, yet, but, but I believe it's important for us as a church. We need to evaluate these relationships. Pastor Angel's been talking about fellowship. We need to make room for the ones God is calling to fit one of those areas uh, in our lives, those things that we need in our life. How much time are you spending with this person? Why? What's it bringing into your life? What, how much time are you spending with this person? Are they doing this activity, this group, group of people? What's it, what's it causing in your life? Is it bringing you up? Are you imparting anything? Or is it dragging you down? These are questions you've got to answer. I've noticed this. Like I said at the beginning, our love for God is number one. Our love for God should be number one. Our love for God should be number one. Relationship is so powerful with other people. People that are like that are that are just like us are so powerful. It can rob you of your love for God. It can rob you for your passion, your heart for God. Look at Adam and Eve. It completely got them off track. Completely got them off track. Why? Just because looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Just putting more value on something than they should have. Instead of, you know, well, they said this, I'll do this. No, that, that they, they let that exalt itself out of place where it should be. I tell you, what, relationship is important. Community is important. We are God's people, but we also have one another. Amen? Let's value this. Let's, let's be purposeful and, and intentional in our relationships. Let's be intentional in the people that we allow into our inner circle. Right? Invest. You, sow, you reap what you sow. If you never invest, no one's going to invest in you. If you never invest in somebody else, if it's all about what you can get, then nobody's going to, nobody's going to, God will not send somebody when you've never sown anything in anyone's life. It's not that we're better than this one or one person's better than another. It's none of that. It's just, it's, we're helping fine tune one another. We're making room. We're helping one another to grow and develop. We're giving and receiving, right? He said, as you have the manifold grace of God, he said to minister these things to one another. Why? We need it. It's necessary. It's important. Amen? Why don't you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Man, I am so grateful. I am so grateful for the people God has called into my life. Yes, my wife and my parents brought me here. And, but all the relationships God has given me, I'm so great. I'm grateful for you all. You know, Amy and I, Pastor and Pastor Angel, we need you. We need you. Not just to, to be in the nursery or to play in the band or usher or do it. We need you personally. We, we, we need you. We need one another. Our destinies, our futures are tied together. I said they're tied together. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.